0: guys, welcome to episode 86 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives in the well-known and more importantly, not-so-well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKitty. How's it going? Crazy week. Um, We are post-Surviving our Kelly, and we're post-Leaving Neverland, and uh, I'm just... I'm shaking to my boots. I'm shaken, I'm rotted, and I'm gutted. I'm truly I'm corroded. I I'm I don't even I don't even know what to say. I'm just like surviving R. Kelly was one thing I was like, alright, so it's now confirmed again for like the three millionth time that R. Kelly did in fact do all these things that we all know. Whatever. It's like I I was that was more of like a salacious thing to me. It was like being able to have the first-hand accounts of the girls that, that experienced everything was really cool. And being able to, like, actually hear their voices and see them be, like, strong and talk, like, that was awesome. With Michael, um, Michael is so, uh, like, my identity is so wrapped up in the fact that I grew up a Michael Jackson fan and I'm gonna let you know right now that I'm uh, this week. I'm gonna do a bonus episode on surviving R. Kelly and leaving Neverland because my I, I just feel so I don't know I don't I just feel so like confused and sad and grossed out and angry and I feel so many things that I don't even know what to feel or what to say and I feel like I need to just kind of like ramble my thoughts because it's so. It's just so shocking and so uh, sad, and I I just don't, I don't know. It's been really, I'm not going to lie to you, it's been really, this was intense. Like, this was intense for me, but I'm not going to get too much into it. I want to save it for the bonus episode, but I still wanted to do something Jackson adjacent because I'm so just sort of, like, immersed in that world right now. Like, I can't stop Googling stuff. Um, I can't stop watching old interviews, I can't stop reading old articles, looking at photos, like, I'm just so in it, Um, and I thought, who from the Jackson family could I talk about um, that's sort of Michael-adjacent and interesting and has had this fascinating life and has had a crazy relationship, and I thought about Janet, and I was like, yeah, that'd be cool, you know, Janet had, like, a secret husband, and That would be interesting to kind of delve into. And then I thought to myself, hi, I am obsessed with Latoya Jackson for so many reasons. Aside from the fact that me and Latoya Jackson literally have the same laugh. And if you don't believe me, you can Google it. um, (laughs) But I just think that Latoya is the unsung hero of that family. I really do. I think that she, I don't know. She's incredibly resilient, a woman who has spent, you know, 35 years trying to get her music career off the ground, and she it's never really happened, but she just kind of happily continues going for it, even at, like, almost 60, uh, or I think she's, like, 61 or 62, um, <clears throat> and also, Latoya's been the most outspoken Jackson since as far back as I can remember. I mean, like, my childhood was spent, like hating latoya jackson and i know that so many people when i was when you know in the 90s when we were younger so many people were against latoya jackson and so many people wanted her to just like shut up because she she was the jackson whistleblower she was the one who was exposing the jackson secrets all the time um she was doing tell all books and like all this crazy shit and all this time i mean who who knew the whole time she was in this out psychotically abusive relationship with a mob boss Named Jack Gordon, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I think that Latoya has a really interesting perspective on her family. Um, I think a lot of times the black sheep, the 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 outsider child, does have an interesting perspective on their family. Um, as a person who's like kind of objective about everybody, and uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to get into this. And I also, I'm a person who. I love knowing why things are happening. I love finding out why. I love, like, the—I love—you guys know me. I love, like, the study of, like, the human brain. I love psychology. And I think the way that Joe Simpson affected all of his children in this super intense way, right— super super intense again i don't want to get too far into it because i want to save it for the bonus episode i need to have something to talk about because i know myself and if i start i won't be able to stop but like michael jackson is such a physical representation of like mental instability right he always has been since we were little and all of his children in a sense are the jacksons all have these these issues that we all sort of know we've known them our whole you know our whole lives their whole lives whatever and their issues are also surface you know what i mean like they all have really intense personality defects and issues i mean they all have really intense body dysmorphia the plastic surgery is insane and it's so weird that like michael's plastic surgery kind of became um the blueprint for like the rest of the kids plastic surgery like latoya slowly became michael um And I just think the way that all of these kids kind of coped with their abuse at home is interesting. And Latoya especially. I think that she's one of the most interesting cases out of the entire family that nobody really talks about. So I wanted to give Latoya her praise today. Um, Blessed be. I live for Latoya Jackson. Um... And after we, after this episode is finished, I'm sure you will too. There are so many things that I want you guys to like YouTube and, and there's a lot of Latoya Jackson interviews that have been resurfacing um, this week. And she's become this weird like martyr um, because she's been pretty outspoken about Michael's uh, pedophilia since the nineties before it was cool to speak out about stuff like that. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and get into it. I'm going to stop rambling. I'm just like feeling, it's a lot. You're, I mean, you're going to have to excuse me this week. I'm just like in another world mentally. Um, I, I, this is just like wild. But anyway, so Latoya and Jack Gordon were married for eight years, starting in September of 1989. Uh, as I said, Gordon was extremely abusive to Latoya, both physically and mentally. Um, he forced her to perform, Um, songs that she had, I mean, like, songs that she had no attachment to, um, he beat her regularly, uh, Latoya's been photographed with black eyes and busted lips and, you know, things like that, um, she, you know, he tried to get her to to perform in porn, um, he was pimping her out and, like, selling her body for uh, a few years to people, um, it's absolutely fucking insane. Like, the the shit that this man put her through, that we just allowed to happen because we thought Latoya was annoying, is wild. Um, and like I said, in the late 80s and the early 90s, Latoya was very much a whistleblower when it came to the abuse that she faced with her siblings. Um, and that's physical, mental, sexual, I mean, you name it, Joe, Simps- or Joe simpson Joe Simpson—did I say Joe Simpson before— Please, God, tell me I didn't say Joe Simpson. Joe, ja- that might be a problem. Joe Jackson. Um You name it, like, this man has done it. He's just, he was an actual monster. Um And Latoya was very open about that before there was a, even a term for pedophilia. Latoya was on Regis, and, you know, she did the talk show circuit talking about being molested by their dad, and... uh that was, like, you know, it was during a time when people were really confused by that. They didn't know how to react to it. Um, nobody really said or did anything about it. And Joe was just sort of able to continue existing as this, like, stage dad, um, who was just known as abusive, but it was fine. Um, Latoya is the middle child in her family. She was born on Rebe Jackson's sixth birthday. And... um Of all the Jackson children, in my opinion, I think growing up, LaToya, along with Michael, were the closest to their mom. Um, They were the last to leave the house. LaToya was the very last child to leave. They were extremely religious, and LaToya was the most religious by far out of all of her siblings. Um, She was the most conservative without any question the Jacksons grew up as you know in Gary, Indiana, very poor. Uh the entire family lived in a two bedroom house um ironically on Jackson Street. And um as you may or may not know, the Jacksons actually grew up Jehovah's Witnesses. Um Jehovah's Witness, whatever. And uh they were just all very very immersed in the religion, especially Catherine and uh you know Michael was a Jehovah's Witness. They all they were all practicing but latoya was like hardcore like latoya wanted to be a nun i don't even know if you can be a nun when you're a jehovah's witness i literally know nothing about what it means to be a jehovah's witness aside from the fact that you knock on people's doors on sunday and uh you don't celebrate holidays um and super strict i don't really know a lot about the religion but i do know that leah Remini is uh saving people from it can't be good um and Catherine Jackson actually grew up Christian. She became a Jehovah's Witness in 1963. And uh, Catherine actually wanted to be a singer herself. She wanted to be, like, a country music singer, which is uh, random. Um, but in the meantime, she worked part-time at Sears to help make ends meet. Um, Latoya and Michael grew up, like I said, going door-to-door with their mom, handing out pamphlets, um, asking people if they were prepared for Jehovah's return. I'll never forget one time uh, I answered my dad's door. He's like, go ahead and answer the door. And I was, like, at that age where, like, you're old enough to answer the door, but also, like, kind of not. You know what I mean? And it was a Jehovah's Witness, and the lady got really excited because she knew that I, A, didn't know what a Jehovah's Witness was, and B, was, like, kind of too young to send her away. So I just stood there, and I listened to her entire spiel, and then, like, 15 or 20 minutes later, my dad came to the door, and he was like, who was it, like, who was there? And I'm literally outside being held by this woman, I have my hands on a Bible, she's, like, holding my forehead, we're praying, I'm, like, crying, swaying back and forth, like, praying to the Jehovah God, I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I remember my dad, like, <laughs> like ripping me out of this woman's arms, and being like, get off of our property, what are you doing? Don't, like, baptize my kid outside in a puddle in my yard, like, how dare you? Um... Joe's father, or Joe's father, LaToya's father, Joe, was a retired boxer, and he worked as a steel worker. Um, it was decided in the 60s by Joe that the family would go into show business, um, and with that came what were described as uh, incessant rehearsals. I think that's a nice way of putting it, but they, for up to 17 and 20 hours a day, were forced to um, rehearse. They were used to like regular beatings at this point. Many of the Toyas brothers have stated in interviews and stuff that Joe would sit in a chair, um, and watch them rehearse with a belt. And if any of them missed a step, especially typically Michael, because he was the youngest, they would get beat with the, the metal end of their belt. So he was like literally whipping them with like metal. Um, after like 20 hours of rehearsal and uh yeah i mean he was told you know throughout i mean michael was told as we all know throughout his childhood by joe that he was ugly and that he had a gross nose and he would call him big nose and say things like there's no way that you you know, possibly got any of your features from my side of the family because you're so ugly like your face is so disgusting you've pimples your nose is so big blah 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 and all of them heard that latoya heard it too And it's obvious, like, the body dysmorphia alone in the Jackson family is insane. And the focus on the way that they look since they were children has always been insane. Even, I mean, I think almost more so sometimes with Janet than Michael. I know that Michael had the whole, like, plastic surgery thing, but Janet's weight is has been talked about since she was a teenager. Before that even, really, since she was a little girl. You know, she was always told by her dad that she was fat when she was little. And Michael would call her Chunk. And they would—they all made fun of her for being chubby. And then she got older. And, like, the media was obsessed with her weight. And then be, and that turned into, you know, like a 30-year f- c- career of Janet Jackson's weight going up and down in extremes literally going from one month having like an eight pack and looking like china the wrestler to then looking like a normal curvy woman and it would be so confusing because it didn't make any sense and i was like how does how does a person lose weight that fast and look like a bodybuilder in a month um but again like the mental health issues in this family have just been just on display and it's insane um and we'll talk a ton more about Joe's abuse, especially how it affected his children and specifically Latoya because she's like I said was very open about it um The first time Latoya ever performed on stage was a tap dance routine that her father put together um her he booked them for the show in Vegas and he like had Latoya come out and like do a tap show um. In 1975, the Jacksons were signed to Epic Records, uh, which was a subsidiary of CBS. Um, So they performed on CBS all the time, which then meant they got a variety show in 1976 that lasted one year, and LaToya would also uh, frequent—she was a frequent guest on the show with her sisters. Um, LaToya ended up traveling to New York with Michael when he was cast for The Wiz, which would have been the first time Michael or LaToya had ever lived anywhere for an extended period of time outside of their parents' home. Uh, They both actually lived, I mean, Michael moved out when he was 30. LaToya moved out when she was 31. They were the last to leave. And for LaToya, it was unimaginable to not live at home. Like, LaToya was truly the definition of a conservative, sheltered, religious, she was Carrie, if you really want to know the truth. She And her mom were Carrie and Carrie's mom, kind of, like, no joke. Um, Somehow she remained the most naive. You know, at 31, she was still a virgin. She had never had a boyfriend. Um, She'd spent so much time in their house that she was kind of reclusive. And uh, her mother described her during that period of her life as somebody a grandmother would be proud of. And that's a very specific way. I'm pretty sure that's in a quote that I have coming up, but it's like, that's a very specific way to be described. And I don't know if I would love that for myself. I don't know if I would want my entire identity to be revolved around being somebody a grandmother would adore. Like, what? Um, Latoya released her debut album in May of 1980, and she begged her dad to allow her to drop her last name. Uh, She wanted to see if... She would be able to kind of make it on her own, and she felt that her last name would be a hindrance. Since her brothers were becoming so popular, um, she wanted to kind of, like, do her own thing. Her dad said absolutely not, and uh, her debut album, LaToya Jackson, was released. Um, It actually was more successful than I anticipated. I was expecting to read, like, you know, LaToya Jackson has had 30 years of just abysmal music that has done absolutely nothing, but... Her debut album uh, has sold two million copies as of today, and it spawned two moderately successful singles, uh, one of them called If You Feel the Funk, and another called Nighttime Lover, which Michael actually sang backup on and helped write. Um, The crazy thing is that LaToya Jackson has a cult following, and um, they're called the, The Church of LaToya. If you want to Google them, they have a Facebook group, Um, (laughs) and uh, they're very loyal to our queen. They're loyal to Latoya Hardcore, and they actually are so loyal that they have requested for this album to be re-released not once, but twice. So once in the early 90s, the album was re-released, and then they re-released it in 2006 by the demand of the Church of Latoya, and um, the album's done uh, fairly well. And in 1984, Latoya released what would be considered her biggest success for her career, an album "Heart Heart Don't Lie." Um, it peaked at 149 on the Billboard 200, and um, it sold about six million copies. Uh, Latoya actually wrote most of the songs in the album herself. Um, one of them um, called Reggae Nights, which was given to, uh, Jimmy Clay, and Jimmy Clay actually went on to win a Grammy for it, so, you know, your girl's a, a Grammy-winning songwriter, like, Sia shaking, I don't know. Now, we have to talk a little bit about Jack Gordon, because it wasn't very long into LaToya's life as a young adult that she met this fucking psychopath, this mob boss, this man who grew up in a brothel. Do you remember the scenes in Mad Men of Don Draper as a teenager, like, living in the brothel? That was this kid. Like, literally was born and raised in a brothel and used to tap dance on a piano to make money for, like, some guy at the... Look, I don't know. Allegedly, I don't know. Jack Gordon is fucking batshit crazy, okay? He was born in Springfield, Illinois, um, but the beginning of his life is... A weird mystery. He's changed his name a bunch of times. Um, first he changed it to Samuel Isaac in nineteen eighty-one and claimed to have been raised in Las Vegas. And then he later changed it again to Clifford William Johnson, and uh he started telling people that he was raised in Springfield. People don't really know anything about his life. Latoya didn't find out until years later that he was raised in a brothel, and that's probably why he lied. Jack managed arcades um, at Circus Circus in Las Vegas, so he was like a game manager, um, and then later he purchased massage parlors all over West Hollywood um, called Circus Maximus that he later went to prison for. Um, this may come as a shock to you, but they were undercover prostitutes. I know, it's shocking. You don't, you wouldn't look at Jack and think that he would do such a thing, but yeah, he... Um, he had, like, this whole string of, like, undercover prostitution rings all over West Hollywood. Um, he was charged with three months probation. And then, this is fucking insane. So, in 1978, Jack approached Harry Reid, who at the time was the chairman of the Nevada Gaming Commission, to approve of these two games that Jack felt would make him a millionaire. One of them was called Flip-A-Winna. Flip-A-Winna. And the other was Penny Falls. Um, he was convinced that he'd be able to make over a hundred million dollars with them, so he offered Harry twelve thousand dollars to approve of them in his uh, his bars. I don't know his casinos. This is weird. I don't know. I don't get Vegas shit. This is fucking weird. And this is like extortion or something. I don't know. So then Harry Reid ended up notifying the FBI and they set up a sting, uh, so they put, like, hidden cameras all over the place, and then Harry wore a wire, and then Jack met with Harry, and, um, at the point that Jack's, that Harry said into his wire, um, did you bring me the money, a bunch of FBI agents burst in the room and arrested him. Harry then apparently tried to strangle Jack, while he was being arrested and he was screaming, you son of a bitch, you tried to bribe me. How dare you? Do you know who I am? Blah, blah, blah. Jack ended up spending six months in prison. And, uh, years later, Harry's wife found a bomb. Oh, yes. A bomb taped to the bottom of her car, just like in Casino. Very Sharon Stone. And, um... She was, like, 99% positive that uh, Jack put it there. He tried to blow up their family. Now, Latoya met Jack through a business deal. He offered her a job hosting a music video shoot that he claimed to have in the works. And uh, the show ended up falling through. But Latoya got very close to Jack. Um, He would shower her with gifts, and he would give her flowers mind you latoya jackson had never had a boyfriend more or less latoya jackson had never held a man's hand at this point she had never been kissed like she was a full-on carry virgin so this like fast talking guy who pimped women and grew up in a brothel and had money and had mob connections and did like vegas fucking extortion deals like This, she was a a literal piece of meat in a a shark den. What? Um, But you get what I mean. (laughs) He had, he ended up having 100% control over her entire existence. In the 1987, Jack approached Joe Jackson with the proposition that he would allow Jack to manage her, um, to basically manage her career. He wanted to completely take over everything. He promised Joe that he would make her a star and that he had a, a stronger connection to young people and he knew what they wanted and blah blah blah. Um he told Jack that or Joe that he had all these ideas for revitalizing her stalled music career, because by this point you know, LaToya's released two albums that were like not I mean in comparison to her brother and her sister, they weren't really doing much. Um And uh, Joe kind of agreed. They agreed to share responsibility of LaToya's career 50-50. And um, he slowly became, obviously, completely in control over everything LaToya did. And Jack influenced LaToya. I mean, his influence on her meant that he basically turned her into, like, this little prostitute. Like, she became sexier. She started accepting these really, like, low-budget like, fucking trash jobs, these horrible hosting gigs. Um, She would appear on television shows that were just so embarrassing and, like, beneath whatever she was trying to do. And in Katherine Jackson's book, she wrote a lot about what it was like to watch Latoya go from this conservative, God-fearing Jehovah's Witness to somebody, you know, who would be brought up on stage to perform a striptease for a group of men at Trump Tower— oh yes, those are the kind of jobs that he was booking for her. The ones that he claimed would change her life. Like dancing on a table at Trump Tower for a group of men and then later pimping her out, which we'll get to. Um, But Catherine said, Latoya had always been so conservative that she'd once dropped a friend who had begun wearing low-cut tops and skirts with slits in them. Latoya said she looked disgusted she looked disgusting like a hooker and that she didn't want anything to do with her. Um, she also mentioned questioning Latoya about her image and how, you know, afraid she was for her basically. And Latoya responded, Jack told me that I had to, that I needed to change my image if I wanted to make it in the business. Um, this is where Catherine mentions in her book that, you know, Latoya went from being a woman that a grandmother would be proud of to somebody she didn't recognize And, um, she would be gone for several weeks, and then she'd show up at the house at the Jackson compound and, you know, collect a bag of her things and some earrings and lipstick and shoes, and then leave again. Um, you know, and she explained that, you know, he had jobs booked for her in Austria and Tokyo, and she was in Australia. Like, she was literally traveling all over the world and doing these low-budget, like, Brigitte Nielsen jobs. Um... She seemed to have finally have figured out some sort of career path, which her parents were obviously happy about at this point. But it didn't take long for Catherine Jackson to realize that the reason he was booking these jobs in other parts of the world was so that he had more time to kind of groom her and keep her away from her family and brainwash her and also more time to scare her into submission. Um, He wanted her to basically have nothing to do with the Jacksons. And um, on May 9th of 1988, it was reported by People Magazine that LaToya was not only moving out of her parents' home, which was national news at this point, um, but also that she was firing her dad as her manager. And this was a huge deal. It was reported that, you know, she showed up to the compound and there was this big brawl. Um, They were calling it the Jackson Compound Brawl, if you want to look it up, where, Joe Jackson and Jack got in a shoving match and they were threatening each other and Captain Jackson was crying and begging Latoya not to go and Latoya ended up leaving with like a handful of things. Um, they moved into a $1,100 a night suite at the Waldorf Astoria in Manhattan um, while she looked for apartments. Joe gave a quote to People Magazine saying, Um, I make them, they take them. Gordon is a mooch. And then Jack Gordon responded and said, I love Joe Jackson like I love poison. Um, Latoya actually said in the same article, she said, I want platinum albums. My father would tell me uh, what I should do, and I'd listen. I didn't ever have my voice, and I never voiced my opinion, because if I questioned him, he'd scream, and I was afraid of him, so I would never dare. Latoya then informed Joe, who you know she lived in constant fear of her entire life that she would be letting him go as her manager which was a huge deal that made national headlines that was a really big deal all of the jackson kids over time fired joe as their manager or they found some way to wiggle out of his contract and um even though they lived in the same home latoya was so afraid that she actually like typed a letter and and gave it to him you guys i hate to cut you off but at this point i think you know the drill you've got to be a patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode so go to patreon.com slash eb psychos at that point you will uh be asked to donate and then when you donate at this level you'll get this podcast you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week you'll get liz bentley's feathers in my hair which is the teen mom podcast um you'll get me and molly's uh Brittany and kevin chaotic special you'll get all the stuff that molly does exclusively through patreon it's well worth it and also if you're not a member of our facebook group go to molly it'll take you straight to it and uh all we do all day and all night is talk about reality tv it's super fun so like i said patreon.com slash eb psychos and molly